Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Okay, tonight we're going to talk about cooking without electricity. You know, a lot of different disasters, different things that come into play that we prepare for, we lose electricity. Might be a tornado. tornado. Mm -hmm. It might be a hurricane. It might be an ice storm. It could be some type of uh, fault with the grid system locally even. You know, somebody could have a wreck down the block. I was about to say that. And take your power out. Exactly. So, You and I discussed this uh, one day while we were driving about how we could actually cook without electricity because we have an electric stove. Now, ideally, a gas stove would leave you a lot more options. I have had a gas stove, and yes, you can manually light it without the electronic ignition. The oven often requires electricity for the thermocouple and the thermostat. True. But there are ways to get around that as well. So... Let's get into cooking without electricity. What are some of the options that you might have to be able to cook? First one comes to mind is a camp stove. A camp stove, something that you would hike with and carry out into the great outdoors? Not sure I'd be hiking with a camp stove because you're talking sometimes two. I've even seen them with four. Brandon, our son-in-law, has one with four burners on it. That's true. That's true. And that's point. a bit heavy, but that'd be great for camping. Mm-hmm. And we're planning a camping trip coming up, and two burner, four burner would be a very good stove to have. And those things, uh, you can power them. You can get them with butane that, that run off of butane. Some of them are alcohol, but there are backpack stoves. There are backpack stoves, rocket stoves, little folding stoves that you can feed basically with twigs. I've even seen people use what's called a solar oven, mm-hmm. and you can build one, and I understand that they can be a very efficient. It's a long-term cooking. Consider it as a slow cook, but it's very efficient. Right. Well, one thing that we have in our backup plan is a grill. A talk about people, talk yeah. about cooking on a grill. Well, a lot of people have a grill. That's certainly, I think, probably actually the first go-to in terms of the public at large. Folks that are not hiking or camping, they have a grill, either a gas grill, lined into the house, or use a bottle. A lot of folks have a charcoal grill, so, you know, your basic household grill. Right. Now, we have a propane grill, Mm -hmm. and it has a side burner, but we also store charcoal. Yes. We could cook in our smoker, because we do have a little small smoker, Mm -hmm. and it's powered by charcoal. But we could also build a fire out in the yard if we had to with charcoal. We have a fire pit. We could do it safely. Fire pit. Mm-hmm. And we put a couple of concrete blocks down and use that as the rack and build the fire under it. Mm-hmm. Cook mm-hmm. on top of it. Exactly. Something else that we have that we've recently purchased, haven't used it yet, but we're going to use it, is our 30-quart pot turkey fryer. A lot of folks have a turkey fryer, and they do that frying at Thanksgiving. They may not think about using it much any other time of the year, but you certainly could. You can cook a lot of things in that fryer. You know my favorite thing about frying turkeys at Thanksgiving? What's your favorite thing? Fried Twinkies. 
Well, what does that have to do with fried turkey? It has nothing to do with fried turkey. <laughs> but while I'm frying the tw- uh, turkey, I drop me in a few fried, a few Twinkies. I wouldn't do it at the same time. Oh, it can go either way. Gag. <laughs> <laughs> of course, also, you can do it cowboy style and just have an open fire. You know, if you've got a safe place to build a fire, maybe have some rocks, stones, bricks, or something around it. Just the old campfire. You know, you've got to be safe. There's a lot of dry tinder out in the woods, and you've got to be very, very careful. But you can build a good fire, and then as that fire dies down a little bit, spread those coals out, and you can put that cast iron skillet right on top of those coals. You could do that. You could do that. They even have some cast iron pots that have a lip on the lid, and you actually put the hot coals on the lid. And you can do bread baking, stews, Dutch oven cooking. That would be how you would brown the top of the cornbread if you're cooking it on a Probably open fire. could do that. Absolutely. Now, what about a fireplace? How would you do with a fireplace as far as cooking over the fire in the fireplace, say, with your cast iron? You would probably need to have some kind of a grate that you could place over it to keep level. You want to be very safe. You know, cast iron is heavy. you got to be careful coming and going with a cast iron trying to place it inside a fireplace. A lot of fireplaces have the rack, you know, that holds the mm-hmm. wood. If you've got one of those gas inserts, I don't think we're talking about that here. That's not going to be a safe alternative. But if you've got a wood fire, there may be some sort of a way that you could use the grate that the wood would normally stand on and perhaps let that be your cast iron stand and then put the wood perhaps directly under it just for a few uses under careful supervision at all times. I would not leave that unattended. And make sure that you've got the fireplace screen in front to catch any sparking embers that may want to jump out. And here again, you're better off to have a very strong coal base rather than a roaring fire. Yeah, something like an embers. You you want this to burn down to the coals Mm -hmm. that are very hot that you can spread out, which is the very same thing you do with a charcoal grill. Exactly. You let that thing burn down some, spread those coals out and cook over that. Now, we mentioned the grill side burner a while ago, and that's just basically like an eye on the stove. You can do anything with it that you can with a stove. Sure. Am I correct? You can. So uh, you can fry, you can, you can heat anything water. Anything you can cook in a pot or a mm-hmm. frying pan, absolutely, just as a regular burner. And that's a good place to have just an old-fashioned percolator, a camp percolator. You could do that. You can actually get them in the camping aisles of the big box stores today, and they're not the old stainless steel, silver-looking, 8-inch tall or so. This one's 10, 12 inches tall, and they're more of a porcelain lined. I don't think it's actually porcelain, but it's it's not just the bare metal. I had one down in the camper at the hunting club for a while, and, and they do a great job with with making coffee, but it's an old-fashioned percolator. So you can fry, you can heat water, you can make soup, you can do all those kinds on the side burner. But now you were telling me some things that you could do with the actual grill that I had no idea that can possibly be done with a grill. Yes, it's it's called indirect heating, 
A lot of folks that use the grill a lot, if you're using your grill to grill something like a whole bird chicken or, or a tremendous amount of food, like for a large group of people or more, you're going to do some indirect heating. And that's where you've got your fire or your embers on one side of the grill, but you put the food that you're cooking across and opposite to the other side. So it'll cook and get the convection heat, but it's not directly on top where it will risk burning very quickly. Now, this has to be a covered grill or could you do this with a old-fashioned charcoal grill? You can do it with any kind of grill, and it would be something that you would cover that you're trying to cook for a longer length of time. Okay. A whole roast, a whole turkey, a whole chicken. If you're trying to sear steaks or do hamburger hot dog, that's different. You want the high heat, the direct heat, quick, fast, and in a hurry. If you're trying to do a low and slow, you've got to go indirect heating method on that. And some people will even, if the grill is wide enough, like ours, they'll use the middle burner and then put more food on the edges. Okay. And so you've still got that indirect, but you can stage more food yes, on that Yes, because grill ours has three burners in it. Right. And we can control it like that. Now, you told me something that I still haven't completely wrapped my head around, and that's using your crock pot with your grill. You could. You've got to be very careful with indirect heating on that. The crock pot... And this is what I would call an off-label use. The, now, you're talking the insert. You're the not the talking... removable stoneware pot. Okay. Yeah. That comes out that of comes the electric out. part that heats it. I think the manufacturers would frown on that. But I think in a case of uh, an emergency or something low and slow, and you needed to make a whole large pot full of beans or stew or something like that, if you didn't have a cast iron, which we know is perfectly safe. If you'll use an indirect heating method, you could use that stoneware because it's rated for very high heat. And you and just here again, you're going indirect heat. Do indirect. You don't want your stoneware crock directly over a flame for a long period of time, say 40 minutes or more. So could you use that stone crock with indirect heating and do it much like you would a crock pot in the kitchen? Yes and no. You'd have to devise a different type of lid. Most of the lids that go on crock pots would not be grill safe. And even the crock pots themselves are pretty tall. So it has to be a special application. If I needed to have a substitute or alternative lid, I would use a stainless steel pot lid or even a stoneware dinner plate or something that could slip oh. over it okay. that I know is oven safe, probably would shy away from glass per se, even a high tempered glass. I think I'd probably rather take my chance with some other type of lid. I would even use a piece of cast iron. You, If you've got a cast iron, if you've got enough room and can invert the cast iron upside down and place it over the stoneware crock, you know, you just have to play with the cookware you have to see what would work. And we're not talking about a lot of use. We're talking about a once in a while thing or maybe an emergency type right. thing. Right. Well, we're talking cooking without electricity. And I mean, with what you've got on hand. If the power's on, you're going to plug it in in the kitchen sure. and, and make crock pot whatever. Believe me, folks, she does some wonderful crock pot things. And probably one of these days, a good idea for a podcast would be some of the things that you actually cook in a crock pot. I do some, I do some interesting so things. So that, in that the might pot. be a good uh, I love even my slow if cooker. It's, even if it's a 10-minute tips, we can do that as well. On the list here is baking. How in the world do you bake on a grill? 
Well, it's not that difficult to think about because if you look at ancient times, they had covered ovens and they would have breads and things that they would place inside sort of an oven that had embers pushed to the side and they would bake breads and things like that in there too. So So again, you're with indirect heat. I would do indirect heat. Yes. And I would probably bake in a cast iron or something that's clad or or heat proof. I'd probably still go cast iron with something like that. I would line it with foil, grease it up really well and put raised dough in there. There's several recipes in cast iron cookbooks and on Pinterest for how to make bread, all kinds of bread in cast iron on a grill. It can be done and you ought to just maybe try it sometime. Do your prepper practice and just one of these days say, you know what, I think I'm going to, I'm going to make a pan of cornbread and I'm going to make it on the grill. I'm learning a lot. What about frying? If you don't have a side burner, how do you fry on a grill? Well, if you're going to fry, now you're talking about more of a direct heat and a high heat. Mm -hmm. And so you would definitely want to use whatever is appropriate for frying any type of fry pan. I'm still thinking I'm defaulting to cast iron because with grill, the heat can be a lot higher than even in the household stove. Well, we can't get through a disaster or power outage, multi-day grid down situation without bacon. (laughs) <laughs> and he sees B-A-C-O-N, bacon. Yeah, yeah. Bacon. bacon. We're going to need bacon to go with those eggs. Well, then just treat your grill, your either your charcoal or your gas or whatever the power is, uh, the fuel is for your grill. Use that as a direct heat and use a cast iron fry pan as you would inside your home and just fry that way. You may have to modify the timetable. Because frying on a grill is hotter heat, higher heat. So it's going to go a lot faster. So understand that. You may think that it's going to take 10 minutes. It may only take four, you know, on that setting. So be very, very watchful. Now, is this a place where you'd want to turn your heat down some, or is there actually a correlation there? Well, most experienced cooks and even intermediate cooks can begin to tell if it's too much. Whenever the oil or whatever is rendering out, when it starts really smoking, you're too hot. You're going to have to pull that off the heat for a while and let the residual heat finish cooking it. Just be a watchful cook and realize that your grill is going to work a little faster and hotter than usual. Now, you have roast on this list. How do you roast with a grill? I would roast in my covered cast iron Dutch oven. I would likely line the inside of that Dutch oven with some foil just to make removing whatever is in there easier because cast iron does tend to make food stick to it a little bit. So some foil or even parchment paper would be a good thing too. You can make a meatloaf. You could roast a chuck roast or a whole chicken. There's all sorts of things you could do, but you you may want to prepare that pan so that removing and cleaning will be a little bit easier down the road. So think of parchment paper and foil on the inside and then put all your pot roast ingredients there like usual and indirect heating, medium heat, I'd still say it's probably two, two and a half hours on a good pot roast. You have on here slow cooking, and I guess the slow cooking and the roasting is very, very similar. Mm -hmm. But let's say we're slow cooking and and we're going to do a small pot roast and we're going to add in potatoes and onions and carrots like you do on the kitchen cabinet with your slow cooker. How does that change when it comes to slow cooking on the grill? Well, slow cooking on the grill, see, a grill is not necessarily deemed as a slow cooker. A slow cook 
the temperature is a lot more reduced. You've really got to think low in a slow-cooked crock pot is about 190 to 200 degrees. High in a slow cooker is around 300. For a grill, that's kind of on the low side. And you've got to make sure that you've got plenty of fuel one way or the other, either in gas or in charcoal, because slow cooking does usually take a number of hours, at least four on most recipes, if not more than that. So definitely don't consider slow cooking unless you've got the fuel, the embers, the way to watch that and modify that, because slow cooking literally does take several hours. Well, as preppers, we should be having about five bottles of gas anyway, if we're looking at using propane for backup heating, for backup cooking, and such as that. So we should have at least two or three full bottles at any point in time. I mean, we keep five bottles. If one gets empty, we'll change that one out, have it filled. But if two are empty, we go today if we possibly can. I mean, we're we're not going to get below three full bottles just in case the snow hit. Let's talk about open flame. And here I'm talking about maybe that turkey fryer. Mm -hmm. The turkey fryer is nothing but a propane burner that has a frame built around it to hold the pot. You could fry on that. You could heat soup. Some people do a low country boil. Low low country boil, something like that. Mm -hmm. So there's any number of things that you can do on a open flame, but you were talking about using foil. What would you be using the foil for? What I was talking about before was like if we were using our grill, our actual grill, I would line cooking pots with foil. I don't know that I would necessarily use foil per se in the turkey fryer situation, but there are disposable foil pans that you can use on a grill because of the way they're designed, the turkey fryer thing isn't going to work for the disposable pans, but the grill could. Okay. Now, let me throw this in, and this is a tip that I learned in disaster relief, and I think I've shared it before. When you put a stock pot, you put one of your 12-quart pots or a 30-quart pot or something on top of a turkey fryer, you're on an open flame, and at the end, you're going to have soot all over the bottom of that pot and up the sides of that pot several inches. I mean, it could go six or eight inches up, depending on how much heat you're using. We learned this in disaster relief when we were preparing food for the Red Cross to distribute after hurricanes, after tornadoes, major disasters. When we would take a feeding unit in and prepare six, eight, fifteen thousand meals in a day. And that's a lot of food. And that's a lot of cooking. And we started out, this was before we had convection ovens and tilt skillets and such as that. What we had was basically fish fryers. And the difference in a fish fryer and a turkey fryer is just turkey fryer seems to be on a taller stand. Fish fryer just sits closer to the ground. But they both put that layer of soot on the bottom of the pan. And what we found is that if we would put dishwashing liquid Before we ever put anything in there, just turn that pot upside down, pour dishwashing liquid in it. The cheap stuff works great. In it or on it? On it. Yeah, not not in it. That would affect (laughs) the taste greatly. You would put the dishwashing liquid on it and take your hand 
and rub it on just as thick as you can all the way around the bottom of that pot and then start on the sides of the pot and put it about halfway up that pot just as thick as you can put that dishwashing liquid on it. And then when you cook over that open flame, when you need to clean it up, a hose pipe will spray it right off. You don't have to do all of that scrubbing with the stainless steel and such to get your pot back like it's supposed to be. Okay. Good, good to so know. that's just a tip we wanted to share there. <clears throat> All right. All right. What about heating water? Well, you could heat water. If you need to heat a large amount of water, you can use that turkey fryer. It's a 30 quarts worth, so that's a gracious plenty. You can heat water on your side burner on your grill if you have one. You can heat it directly on the grill if you want to put a very high heat pot directly over the flame. Because we're talking you know. making coffee here in the morning. Yeah, so you can you can heat water. Again, on high heat, on a grill or a fryer, we're talking about a much faster pace of time. So don't think that you've got 10 to 15 minutes to wait for the water to boil. Your water may be boiling within three minutes on some of these things. So you'd have to kind of stand by. And that depends on how much water you put in the pot true, or the pan. True, true. But there are ways, and, you know, I read one comment out of the recent snowstorm coming out of Texas that the thing that the guy missed the most was having his coffee. A lot of folks don't think you can make coffee without having an electric pot. Yes. One of the things that we keep is a French press. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's great if we want to make one or two cups of coffee in the afternoon or evening, heat the water, put the grounds in the French press, pour the water in, let it steep for about five minutes, and then push that rod down that pushes all the grounds to the bottom of the pot, and you got a fresh pot of coffee. What would you need to do as far as heating it on a fireplace? For heating water on a fireplace, obviously you're going to have some sort of appropriate pot that you would heat water in on a stove. Anything that you can use on a stove, you could put on the fireplace. You may just have to put it beside where it's not in direct contact not direct contact but close enough and it might it may not go to full rolling boil but it may get pretty pretty hot so it's going to be plenty hot enough for my coffee plenty hot enough for the coffee okay anything else you want to add to cooking without electricity we want to be able to feed our family have our coffee do the things that we need to do we don't want to be left out in the cold so to speak because the power has gone down. Anything else in here you'd like to add? Well, I think we've pretty much just about covered it. We're practical preppers. We try to use what we have around the house and the things that we have in our possession that we could use to heat food and heat water if needed. And I think that we've covered that pretty ably tonight. Okay. If you enjoy Practical Prepping Podcast, we ask you to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about it. We also ask you to consider supporting our podcast. You can do that by buying us a cup or two of coffee by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. We appreciate any support to keep this podcast coming to you. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. And please leave us a five-star review. That helps more people be able to hear this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Email at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.